Hey everyone, and welcome back to Inside the Morgue. We're your hosts and astonishing, I've used that one before, but astonishing autopsy text, Jess and Alice. So this is our part two episode of us watching and reviewing Play Dead. So we left off with the sheriff finally coming, looking like he was going to save Chloe. Turns out he's also a bad guy, and he hits Chloe in the back of her head with a baton. So let's pick up where we left off. Chloe, after being hit, tells TJ to run, but he doesn't because he's a good brother and he's going to help his sister. And the sheriff ends up hitting him in the chest with a baton. He goes to hit Chloe again and TJ tries to intervene, but the sheriff punches him right in the face. Chloe pulls out the BB gun that she still had on her and tells the sheriff to get away from TJ. She goes over to stand in front of TJ and they slowly back out of the exit. The sheriff tells her to put down the gun and not to make him kill them. Chloe says that he wouldn't kill them because they are worth more alive. And the sheriff says, I wouldn't be too sure about that. The coroner goes into the security room and sees the footage of Chloe holding up a gun to the sheriff. He uses the PA system to tell the sheriff that the gun is a fake. So the sheriff pulls out his own gun, which is very real, and points it at them. But the coroner tells him over the PA system that he wants Chloe and TJ alive. The sheriff is upset by this because apparently he just wants to kill some kids. And while he is distracted, Chloe throws the fake gun at his face, and she and TJ run for it. The coroner closes the gate, like, to get them out off of the property towards their car from the security room, and then leaves to walk out the back. He sees the cooler that had Ross's liver in it on the floor and empty, and then he sees the dog eating the liver. And he's obviously very troubled by this, because he was going to sell that organ for a lot of money. Chloe and TJ run, trying to find another way out, and the sheriff is following behind. The sheriff pulls out his own dog whistle and blows it to alert the dogs. The dog runs outside and starts chasing after Chloe and TJ, and they get separated while they're running, and TJ tries to hop a fence, but the dog bites one of his legs. The coroner is watching from the security room and pushes a button to turn on the voltage to the fence. TJ gets shocked and falls to the ground. The dog attacks and bites his arm. Chloe comes to try and get the dog off. And she grabs the dog, touches the electric fence to shock herself and the dog. The dog lets go of TJ and runs off. The whole time, the coroner is just watching all this in the security room and laughing. He's so sadistic. So creepy. Chloe pulls TJ up and then goes to hide. Chloe finds a locked door to a cellar and is able to pry it open with a crowbar that she finds. Her and TJ get inside and lock the door with the crowbar behind them. They like stick the crowbar between the doorknobs and like or, or door handles. They're not knobs. The sheriff and the corridor walk to the cellar door, and then the sheriff uses his own handcuffs to lock the door from the outside so that they won't be able to get out. And he says that he'll keep them there until they can drive him out. The sheriff then says that he has tear gas in his car. Just then, they hear a car horn, and the coroner tells the sheriff that it's the guy coming to pick up the liver. And the sheriff reminds the coroner that no one is supposed to know about his involvement in all of this. Because he's such a law-abiding citizen, too. These good, law-abiding citizens just want to sell some organs. It's not that big a deal. I'm just kidding. It's a huge deal. Don't do it, guys. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> in the cellar, TJ and Chloe turn on a light. And then TJ starts to panic that they're trapped. And Chloe calms him down and tells him that they're a team. The coroner goes to meet the man there for the liver, whose name is Mannix, for the car. The man's name is Mannix, not the liver. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I said this made it sound like the liver had a name. He tells him that there has been a situation with the liver and that it's been lost. He tells him that he's in the process of replacing it and that he needs Mannix to come back in an hour. But Mannix notices that there's something wrong with the coroner's eye. 
where he was shot with the BB gun and says that the coroner is making him nervous. He looks behind the coroner and sees the sheriff's car and freaks out that the cops are there. But then he notices that the coroner doesn't seem nervous by the cops and guesses that the sheriff is working with the coroner. He figures out that this is how the coroner is able to get live people to the morgue because the sheriff will call them in as deaths even when they aren't, which makes sense because Chloe probably still had a pulse at her scene. And we know Ross probably still had a pulse, too. And Mannix asks to meet the sheriff because they're, quote, part of the same team. But the sheriff clearly doesn't feel the same way because he comes out of hiding with a shotgun and shoots Mannix. Mannix isn't dead, but the coroner is upset the sheriff shot Mannix, saying that he just cost them $100,000. But the sheriff says that he had a big mouth and that they need to get rid of him. Chloe and TJ hear the gunshot from the cellar, and they pause for a second but keep moving. They find a room that has some tools, and Chloe just grabs a hammer, which, I mean, yeah, you should. You should grab a weapon. But she also sees that there's a window behind a shelf. So they're able to move this shelf and get through the window, and the window takes them into a crawl space. And as they crawl, they come up to a vent and see the sheriff and the coroner bringing Mannix, who's still alive, into the autopsy suite. The coroner tells the sheriff that he messed up by killing their contact, but the sheriff says they'll just blame Chloe and TJ for killing him. The sheriff also asks if they can take Mannix's liver and give it over for the money. But the coroner says they wouldn't accept a liver with buckshot. So buckshot is a type of shotgun projectile. Unlike a single bullet fired from a handgun or a rifle, shotgun shells have a group of small pellets made of lead, steel, and and a combination of other metals. And when the shell is fired, the individual shot travels down the barrel of the gun. And when cleared from the gun, the pellets spread and scatter like a funnel shape. And the farther pellets travel outside of the gun, the wider the funnel or the shot pattern becomes. And the scattering action makes it easier to hit a target, like a buck, hence the name Buckshot. The sheriff asks if they can take the liver from one of the people in the cooler that he keeps downstairs. And he says they're, quote, drunks and junkies, and he only uses them for parts. Their kidneys are okay, and their eyes are good, but their livers are often rotten. The coroner says that he could always take the sheriff's liver, and the sheriff tells him not to even joke about that, or he'll shoot him in the face. I was really hoping at this point that they would, like, turn on each other, and that they'd be, like, their own yeah. their own demise. Like, the coroner would try to take his liver, and he'd just, like, try to shoot him. And I'm like, ooh, <laughs> maybe Chloe and TJ will be able to get out of this easier than they thought. <laughs> the coroner asks what story he would tell, and the sheriff says that he would come out of it a hero for stopping the Calexico Butcher. Are they somewhere near California and Mexico? Because, like, Calexico. Oh. Yeah. I don't know if they're, like, in Cali or near Mexico or in Mexico. I don't know. But that was the only indication of where they might be, but it still wasn't a solid answer. That makes sense. So Mannix tries to crawl away, but the sheriff drags him back. The coroner makes a call about there being a slight hiccup with the liver, and he takes Mannix's keys out of the pocket and gives them to the sheriff. He tells the sheriff to get the tear gas to smoke out TJ and Chloe because they need a liver. The coroner makes a call and says that he has the item requested in hand, but he will need a new courier. The voice on the phone tells the coroner to drive the liver himself, and the coroner demands more money, saying that their rush isn't his problem. The sheriff goes to his car to get the tear gas, and Chloe and TJ see Mannix suffering on the floor. Chloe says they have to help him and they crawl out of the vent and then we see the coroner still on the phone in his office but we also see TJ and Chloe pulling Mannix into the crawl space with them so while he's in the office he sees both 
TJ and Chloe pulling Mannix into the crawl space. So as they're pulling him into the vent in the other room, it's the room where the coroner keeps all of his living people for, quote, spare parts. Mannix says that if they can save him and get him out of there, he'll give them 10 grand. TJ says make it 25 and they have a deal. Chloe's trying to tend to Mannix's injuries and a canister of gas comes in through the vent and into the room and this is tear gas. Chloe finds two oxygen tanks with masks and gives them to Mannix and to TJ. She tells TJ to get Mannix out safely and to wait and then take the money Mannix gives them. She says they'll be fine and tells them to go. They make their way out and Chloe takes the hammer and a tank. The sheriff and the coroner walk in wearing gas masks and TJ and Mannix are crawling on the floor trying to get out. Chloe's unmasked and walking around, and the sheriff sees her and takes a shot but misses. TJ tries to sneak behind the sheriff but is stopped by the coroner who tases him. Chloe is struggling to breathe and see straight, but she makes her way to the table with supplies. The sheriff sees her and calls out to the coroner. Chloe puts the oxygen tank on the table and picks up a hammer, and she smashes the top of the tank with the hammer, causing it to fly across the room and into the sheriff's face, killing him. Like, what a shot. It's, like embedded in his face like half of the tank is inside of his face it is and she can't even see straight we see from her point of view and everything is hazy and blurry because she's unmasked walking around in tear gas it's insane the coroner comes in and sees the sheriff's body he grabs the sheriff's gun and starts going around shooting all the people that he had kept in the basement for their organs there's one shot of uh the man that like begged chloe for help and like he goes to shoot him And there's a moment, kudos to the actor who played this dying man on the table, because, like, you see, like, the brief moment of relief on his face when he realizes his suffering's about to be over and he's about to die. Like, he's, like, there's a gun pointed at his face and he's like, almost smiles. It's so chilling. Yeah, props to that actor. Yeah. Underneath one of the tables, there's, like, sheets on the table, so it's, like, covering the bottom legs. We see that Mannix is hiding there. The coroner goes back to TJ and says that Chloe owes him a liver and his will have to do. So he drags TJ out and we cut to them on the, in the autopsy suite with TJ on the table. He cuts TJ out of his clothes and while this is happening, he has a headset on and is speaking to Chloe over the PA system. Chloe's wandering the halls and the coroner says that she's ruined his life. He says he could have explained a lot of things, but a dead sheriff isn't one of them. He says he will have to move on, but before he does, he will use TJ to, quote, donate to the deserving. We see Chloe make her way to the autopsy room, and the coroner vanishes. Chloe is still disoriented from the tear gas, and she walks over to TJ to try to wake him up. And TJ, he does wake up and tells Chloe to look out because the coroner is right behind her. The coroner grabs Chloe and pins her against the wall, and he takes out a scalpel and says an eye for an eye and takes the scalpel to Chloe's eye, and she sees the canister of liquid nitrogen and sprays it all over the coroner's face before he has a chance to cut her. And when he turns back to look at her, his face is very severely frostbitten. He still tries to slice at her with the scalpel, and she hits him in the face with the canister of liquid nitrogen. His face hits the table, and we hear this shattering glass sound, and when he stands back up, his face... His and skin is literally frozen and shattered off of his face. It like shatters like glass, and I don't know if that happens. That's definitely not the sound it would make. It sound it sounded like a broken ceramic, and I'm like, does 
does that happen? <laughs> I don't think it sounds so, like So, yeah, like half of his face is off and you see like the bone underneath. He looks... So props to the special effects people who worked on the makeup. Yeah, he looks like Two-Face from Batman. Harvey Dent. Yes. The coroner grabs a saw and goes after Chloe. TJ tries to get out of his restraints while the coroner and Chloe are fighting and then Mannix comes in and stabs the coroner in his side. Mannix then tosses the knife to Chloe, who then stabs the coroner in the head and says, you are the sickness, I am the cure, which is what the coroner had said to her in the beginning. Sick burn. Sick, sick burn. Chloe then lets TJ out of the restraints and TJ tells Mannix to pay up because they saved him. But Mannix says that he saved them back, so they kind of seem even. But he says there is something that he needs, and if they can get it for him, he'll pay them 25 grand. So then we cut to Mannix and TJ in the security room watching over the cameras, and then we see Chloe in the autopsy suite taking out the coroner's liver. And I have to point out, so this girl, we learned in the beginning, she's a second-year med student. How does she have the capabilities to fully remove an organ, like a liver, so perfectly? Yeah, I, okay, I've never been to med school, but I don't know if they cover fully doing organ transplants, like, in the second year. Yeah. Maybe they do. Any second year med students listening, let us know if you think you'd be able to take out someone's liver. Or maybe don't. Maybe don't put that on the internet. Maybe don't. (laughs) Don't brag about that. So when she's done, Mannix pays TJ. They help Mannix to his car, and he offers them a ride home. Chloe takes out Ross's phone and gives it to TJ, and TJ's like, oh my god, you got it for me after everything, and she's like, yeah, of course. They're the cutest siblings that don't give up on each other. It kind of reminded me of, you know, that moment in Oops, I Did It Again, when Britney Spears is like, he gives her the necklace, and he's like, oh, you got it for me in the bottom of the ocean. You You shouldn't have. have. (laughs) Well, baby, I went down and got it for you. (laughs) I love that song. I love Britney. But that's what it reminded me of. (laughs) So they drive off with Mannix, and then we cut to the coroner dead on the autopsy table. And remember the dog? He is currently eating the insides of the coroner. And that is how this insane, crazy movie ends. It's the last shot. It's just a dog on an autopsy table eating the insides of his owner so lovely (laughs) i also just love how they like mannix isn't a good guy he's still illegally selling organs and they're just like buddy buddy with him now and they're like yeah well they're like yeah please drive me home i'll get in a car with you like tj had a car like tj drove there like where where is tj's car (laughs) there are so many plot holes in this movie i also there was a shot before we cut to the last scene of the dog eating the guy's insides, Chloe's, like, sitting in the back of, like, the truck. Like, they're also just sitting in, like, this guy's truck bed. They're not, like, in his car. But, like, she's, like, she puts, like, her face up to the sun and the wind's blowing through her hair. And it's, like, a really, like, inspirational shot. It's a beautiful shot. But I'm, like, she just, like, <laughs> illegally removed a man's liver for 25 grand. And also, like, but she's, like, yes. This is my moment. I'm free. And like, I, I mean, she's probably really stoked to be out of the morgue, but it was just a very funny shot to me after she just eviscerated a man's liver. And she was like totally freaked out when he removed Ross's liver and she did, she removed this liver so calmly. Yeah. Well, probably because Ross was still alive. Right. <laughs> yeah. Ross is still alive. And also she liked Ross. She didn't like this guy. And this man is trash. This man. See, I was right. I called it. This guy's a bad 
guy. Also, I think you told me this. The actor who the coroner is, is also one of the investigators in Crossing Jordan. It's Jerry O'Connell. He's like the main detective in Crossing Jordan. He's also in a ton of other stuff. I feel like I usually only see him in comedies. So it was really jarring to see him in this. Oh, he's in Stand By Me, which is a classic. Oh my God, he's in Scream 2. That's right. He's Sydney's boyfriend. He's Derek. Yeah, he's in a lot, but... I thought it was funny that he's also in Crossing Jordan, which we've talked about a few times. I'm looking at his IMDb now. He's also in Kangaroo Jack. If anybody's a big Kangaroo Jack fan. (laughs) Oh, Jerry Maguire, obviously. He's in Jerry Maguire. Yeah, he's a big name. And the actress who played Chloe. She's Bailey Madison, and she's been in a whole bunch. She's also great. They're all great actors. It was just such, like, a weird story. This movie came out recently, too. It came out this year. I would have liked it more if it was just a little bit shorter. Yeah. We've been saying this all day at work. Like, this movie was just 20 minutes too long. Yeah. I thought, I just thought it was long because I always pause when I'm taking my notes. So I was like, oh my God, am I just pausing too much? And then I talk to you about it. And you're like, no, it's just too long. No, I was doing the same thing. Because I watched this when I had a day off. And I was doing other things around the house. So I was like pausing it because I was doing laundry and whatever. And I would come back and I'm like, wow, I'm still watching this movie. Yeah, I had to do that too. Like I had some time over the weekend. Like I was doing some stuff each day, but like I watched part of it one day and then I watched the second half the other day and I paused it and opened it again the next day. And I was like, oh my God, I still have like 45 minutes of this movie left. I thought I was like almost done. (laughs) What is going to happen in 45 minutes? It was so much was happening. That morgue was huge, too. She kept finding secret rooms. Yes, it was very dark and dusty, almost. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he did say it was an old hospital, so I guess that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, like, built to be a coroner's office. It was built to be a hospital. It kind of reminded me of our old morgue before we moved to our new building, because that was an old hospital we worked out of. I thought the same thing when he said it was a hospital. Yeah, because there were some, some things in our morgue that were definitely more for, like, a hospital setting than, like, a coroner's office but i did enjoy i think the special effects like for for the girl that was in the car accident and for Mm -hmm. his face for the special effects like that looked very real and good yeah yeah i thought like it was a well done movie i just the story was crazy and it could have been a little shorter Mm -hmm. and i liked i liked some of the like the way it was filmed the way it was shot like this i know i said it when in part one but the scene where chloe's hiding under the table but the camera angle makes it look like she's like against a door i had to i rewinded that scene a couple times because i was like where is she because she's not in the cabinet where is she and where did she get this blood i fell for it when like he slashed and then there was blood on her face i was like oh my god i fell for it that's why i rewinded it <laughs> I was like, oh my god did she get stuck and then i was like wait no the closet's empty he just opened it and yeah mm-hmm. so i would recommend watching it if you have some time to kill well no pun intended it was a good storyline yeah, it was interesting i want to like why do movies think that we're crazy people who work in works are crazy we're not we're very we're lovely very people people <laughs> as you know or you wouldn't be listening to our podcast the second movie that we've watched recently where the person who works in the morgue is very unhinged. Like we watched Birth Rebirth where she's trying, like, doing experiments like Frankenstein in her apartment. And this guy's just playing God and deciding who gets to have organs and who doesn't. I know. I feel like all these movies that revolve around coroners or people in forensics think that we're all dark and dreary and spooky mm-hmm. when we're really just like happy-go-lucky people. And this is 
our job and we want to do this. And we've talked about this before probably, but uh, you get it too, I know. When I tell people what I do, like if I'm talking to them for a little bit and like, then they're like, oh, like what do you do for work? And I tell them, they're like, I can't see you doing that. And I'm like, because you think, yeah, you think only dark, dreary, unhinged people <laughs> work in morgues. Like, no, we're cool. <laughs> we're just like everybody else. Everybody is like, oh my God, like I, I can't believe that like such a small, happy person does this. I hate when they say the small part. <laughs> <laughs> I am small, oh. but you don't have to say it every time. <laughs> I know. We're small, but we're mighty. <laughs> there was one time, too, when I answered the door for someone at the morgue and I just said like hi how are you how's your day going and they like I don't know if they were having a bad day or what but they were like what do you have to be so happy about I remember this I was like I am sorry I'll be super rude to you next time you come in is that what you want like I'm trying to just be nice (laughs) to the one living person that I'm talking to today (laughs) sorry that I saw the sun (laughs) (laughs) sorry that yeah this was in the old morgue so like we didn't see sunlight unless we opened the door (laughs) So I opened the door and was like, wow, fresh air. And the person's like, wow, she's a lot. So this week's true story search definitely landed us on a watch list. We say this every time, but we were clearly intrigued with the movie's portrayal of a coroner or a morgue manager selling organs on the black market. So we went down a rabbit hole of searching different stories like this. And unfortunately, there's a lot. There's, there's so many. There's way more than I thought there was going to be. I know. I said to you, I was like, what do you want to talk about this week? And we did like a quick Google search and so many stories came up and I was like, this is bad. This is unfortunate. So many recent ones too. I was surprised. Yeah. We found a New York Times article from June of this year by Michael Levinson about a manager of a morgue at Harvard Medical School that was charged with selling body parts from donated cadavers and even allowing buyers to come into the morgue to choose like what body part they wanted, which is absolutely insane. So this is different than the movie because like they weren't being sold to be put in living people. They were being sold to people who wanted just like creepy oddities. Oddities. Yeah. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word. It's just absolutely insane. So prosecutors on the case said that the morgue manager, Cedric Lodge, and his wife, Denise Lodge, and three others were indicted by a federal grand jury in Pennsylvania on charges of conspiracy and interstate transport of stolen goods. And a sixth person, Jeremy Pauley, was charged separately. And a seventh was also charged, Candace Chapman Scott, and she was indicted in Arkansas. The defendants were a party of a nationwide network that bought and sold human remains stolen from Harvard Medical School and a mortuary in Little Rock, Arkansas, which is where Kansas Scott worked. The Dean of the Faculty of Medicine, George Q. Daly, and the Dean for Medical Education, Edward M. Hundert, at Harvard Medical School made a statement to the community calling the allegations an abhorrent betrayal. According to prosecutors, from 2018 to 2022, Cedric Lodge stole parts from cadavers that had been donated to the medical school and dissected before their scheduled cremations. This included heads, brains, skin, and bones. Lodge and his wife would then ship the remains to others, including a store owner, Katrina McLean, who owns Cat's Creepy Creations in Peabody, Massachusetts. According to prosecutors, on some occasions, the lodges would allow people interested in buying body parts, like Katrina, into the morgue to choose which parts they wanted. 
Prosecutors also said that in 2020, McLean agreed to buy two dissected faces from Cedric Lodge for $600. Katrina advertises her store as selling creepy dolls, oddities, and bone art. An indictment stated that in June or July of 2021, she shipped human skin to Jeremy Pauly to have him tan the skin to create leather. From September 2018 to July 2021, another person in the Lodge's sold body parts to, named Joshua Taylor, had transferred more than 37,000 electronic payments to Denise Lodge for body parts that had been stolen by her husband. In one of these transactions, according to the prosecutors, Joshua Taylor sent Denise a payment of $1,000 with the memo reading, Head Number 7. And in another $200 transaction, the memo read, brains with six eyes like you're not even trying to hide it at that point no like i feel like if you if you would be smart about it you would put like a fake picture or something up or like a fake caption it is crazy prosecutors also stated that jeremy Polly, who allegedly tanned the skin into leather for katrina mclean bought remains from candace scott in little rock arkansas who allegedly stole the body parts from the mortuary and crematory where she worked of the corpses that Candace Scott stole, there were two corpses of stillborn babies that were supposed to have been cremated and returned to their families, prosecutors said. That's like a new low. Like, this is all atrocious, but that that makes me sick. Like, it all makes yeah, me sick. But like, especially that. Horrible. Candace Scott had previously been indicted in Arkansas on charges of mail fraud, wire fraud, and interstate transportation of stolen property. In a statement to the Harvard Medical School community, the two deans said that the investigators believed that Cedric Lodge acted without the knowledge or the cooperation of anyone else at the university. Cedric Lodge had been hired by the university in 1995 and was fired in May of 2023. Cedric was an employee of the Anatomical Gift Program, and while he did not manage other people, he was responsible for preparing for and accepting donors' bodies coordinating embalming, overseeing the storage and movement of cadavers, and preparing remains to be transported to the crematory. The dean said that the school had been working to identify which donated cadavers may have been affected by theft. We are appalled to learn that something so disturbing could happen on our campus, a community dedicated to healing and serving others, they wrote. The reported incidents are a betrayal to the Harvard Medical School and most importantly, each of the individuals who altruistically chose to will their bodies to Harvard Medical School through the Anatomical Gifts Program to advance medical education and research. Like we said earlier, we got this information from a New York Times article by Michael Levinson titled, Harvard Medical School Morgue Manager Sold Body Parts, U.S. Said. And this will be linked in our show notes. I just can't believe that people are still selling body parts like online on the black market like you can do it on facebook like there's no regulations or laws surrounding it it's just like frowned upon and people are doing it anyway we had to do something in our anthropology like lecture that we had to do we didn't have to do it but she suggested like she's like if you just look for where to buy like skeletal remains she's like you can just find it online I yeah was like, i'm not gonna do that because i have a weird i'm not gonna be put on an, on an actual I list i'm already have a weird search history for my podcast i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm not gonna add to it but that's crazy and it's just so upsetting because these people like they said the dean said they were willing 
to donate their bodies to further medical research and to help humanity, like to help the greater good after they're gone. And to have them disrespected in this way and to have their families disrespected in this way, like it's sickening. Sickening. So upsetting. And especially even like Candace Scott was allegedly taking bodies from the crematory like those people didn't donate their bodies but they also didn't consent to having their body anything done with their bodies especially allegedly the two corpses of infants that's horrible and i i didn't even think about until i read in the article they have to figure out what remains were taken and where they ended up and if he's been doing this for years they're like and it said it was a nationwide thing they're all over it's insane these poor families. I know. I, like, we talked about this today, but, like, in a different sense. Just, like, the people who are affected in the aftermath of everything. Right. The peop- the living. The people who are affected after someone's death. It's hard. Like, and this just makes it harder. Mm-hmm. So, guys, don't sell or buy body parts on the black market. Yeah. Don't be a corrupt coroner. Like, jerry o'connell in this one movie (laughs) i it's something we always talk about too um just like a general respect for the dead still yeah like we really try hard to be respectful when we're back in the morgue i don't know and that's why i'm I'm so shocked when someone is just this blatantly i don't even criminal with it like just just criminal and disrespectful for no reason yeah if you've ever even, like, stepped foot in a morgue, if you've viewed an autopsy, or if you're in school and you're learning about cadavers and you have, like, anatomy labs, it it is a humbling experience to, like, be in the presence of a, of a cadaver that you're working on. Yeah. It's... I said that um, when I was in grad school, when I first had to take the anatomy lab, they, like, before we even went into the anatomy lab, they, like, showed us a cadaver. For a lot of us, it was our first cadaver. And then, like, after it, we all kind of, like, split up into groups and we're, like, talking. And it's like, okay, how did you feel about just seeing this, like, a dead person who's, like, donated their body for your education? And I said the same thing. I was like, it is an extremely humbling experience. Yeah. They don't know me. They never knew me. But they're a huge part of my life now because they're furthering my education. And it ended up being a really big part of my life because working in the anatomy lab is what inspired me to get into the autopsy side of forensics because I didn't know what part of forensics I wanted to be in until I did that. So it's crazy. That's how I felt when I was at the whole body donation center when I was working there. I was doing like procurements on cadavers who had donated their bodies to science to further medical specialties and inventions and hardwares that other clients and companies were working on. And like I was playing a, a small part in that whole experience. But like these people, like they don't know what exactly their body is getting donated for specifically but they they are helping in a greater scheme of things right more than they ever could have realized it's it's the ultimate gift it is psa donate your body to science yeah do it (laughs) so to end this episode we tallied a total of three green flags and four red flags so in our opinion this movie play dead does not pass in terms of forensic accuracy but it's still kind of a fun watch if you have two hours to kill and want to watch it i say watch it with a friend it'd probably be more fun like if we watched it actually together Mm -hmm. it was a good suspenseful movie yeah 
Yeah, I feel like we should have gotten together and like actually watched it in person together. Maybe we would have had more fun with it. I was watching it alone, and it was kind of I kept having to pause it and take <laughs> notes. And I, if I had someone to banter I felt with, I was bored at times. Yeah, if I had someone to banter with while watching it, I feel like I would have enjoyed the experience more. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Morgue. If you enjoy our podcast and want to learn more about forensics, keep on listening. You can find us on Instagram at Inside the Morgue Pod and DM us anything you want to talk about. We'll be back next week for a brand new dissection. Bye! Bye.